0: Hi, it's Christina, and today I'm interviewing a columnist for the first time. A few days ago, I didn't even know what a columnist was. But from what I could tell, a columnist writes and has opinions. Like how people have opinions on Twitter and, well, everywhere. But columnist Ruben Navarrete, my interview today, shares his opinions as his job. It's how he makes a living. His column is in over hundred and fifty newspapers, and you've probably seen him sharing his thoughts on Fox or CNN. Okay, it's time. Let me call Ruben Navarrete and find out how he does what he does. Hey. Hi, this is this Ruben Navarrete? Hey. Are you um, that? yeah. Well, um, I'm recording. Is that okay?
1: Yeah
0: um well you are like a journalist an author a columnist um award winner you you're like amazing but I want to know what do you consider yourself
1: you know, so I at this point I've been doing this a long time about 33 years and so I uh, now consider myself a storyteller and sometimes the stories I tell are in a podcast or on television or in a magazine or a newspaper. Um, sometimes they're on stage when I'm giving a speech, it's a story on stage. So the yeah. one thread that goes through it all is stories. I love stories, I love hearing stories, I love telling stories. And so I, I define myself mostly now as a storyteller.
0: Well that's great because you're you're gonna tell your story here.
1: Okay. No, but that's but I'm excited to talk to you because I get to tell my story again and maybe in a different way. And Storytelling, sometimes I'll work with clients and, and they're very successful people, but they don't know how to tell their story. And I think we all have to tell our own story. And what I mean by that is we all have to tell, well, you know, in, in the case of Christina, what makes Christina unique and valuable and different and you know, why is she special? And it takes us, I think, sometimes our whole life to be able to see ourselves uh, as well as other people see us. And so that's, I think, very exciting, teaching people how to tell their own story.
0: Oh, uh, that's true! You got to know how to tell your own story, and don't let people tell your own story.
1: That's right. That's a good point, Christina. You learn that if you don't tell your story, other people will tell it for you. And so if you don't define yourself and tell the world who you are, then there's always people who are going to tell you who they think you are, who they want you to be. And you have to stand up
0: and say, well, that's not me. You have it all wrong. You're not telling the truth. And so that's why we have to tell our own story and define ourselves. Well, you have a book. And it's called "Um, A Darker Shade of Crimson, Odyssey of a Harvard Chicano. Okay. It, it's your story, right?
1: Okay. It's my story. It starts in, um, I wrote this book when I was very young. I wrote it when I was, um, I graduated from, from college in, at 23. I graduated from high school at 18 and college from 20, 23. And I um, proposed this book as a book proposal when I was 24. I wrote it when I was 25 and I published it when I was 26. So I was pretty young in the process. And what the story is is basically it starts with my senior year in high school when I'm applying to um, some select uh, schools and colleges like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, and Berkeley. And uh, then it ends at the end of my uh, graduation from Harvard. So it's all about being a Mexican american kid at Harvard. Uh, And so basically it's a memoir of my college years, of those four or five years in college.
0: Oh my God, wow.
1: How? It was was an interesting experience to be able to um, you know, Christina, one thing that helped me a lot, now that you mentioned that, I have thought, is when I graduated from high school, you know what, even before I graduated from high school, sometime around when I was maybe 50 years old, I got a good piece of advice from somebody who was a, a judge at the time. I was at, a, I was at a camp or a seminar or something, and the judge said, you should keep a diary, keep a journal. And so when I went to college, I kept a journal, you know, every year I'd get a new journal, I'd write notes in there. And about what was going on in my uh, experience in college. And that journal was really helpful because when I graduated from college and I had to go back and remember everything that went on, I would go back over those journal pages and refresh my memory. So that's a good example of getting a a piece of advice at 15, you're not even sure yet how you're going to use that advice. But it ends up benefiting me in the long run. So it's a good piece of advice to this day. When people go to college, they tell them, yeah, you want to keep a journal of everything you are experiencing, and one day you'll be able to reflect on that, and it'll bring back those memories before you forget them.
0: Oh my god, that's so sweet! You you wrote a journal.
1: Yeah, I went through through uh, college, and then I used that to write my book. Yep, yeah, it was published um, by Bantam Books in New York, um, and I went to New York for the to um, meet with the publisher and I had a book deal and everything, and it got published all over the country and. I was only about twenty-six years old, so it got me started on my uh, my writing career.
0: So you didn't have to take any classes.
1: No, I I only took uh, the classes I took were in high school. I took um, you know AP English. Um, I took English four years in high school. I didn't take any English in college. Uh, I took American history courses in college. That was my major. Uh, So in American history courses, I, I did a lot of reading and writing. And so the more you write, the better you get at it. And there was a lot of practice. And then, I, and then finally, when I was in my senior year, I was about 21 years old or thereabouts, and I, that's when I got my first uh, piece published in a newspaper. So I wasn't, it wasn't until I was about 21 that I, I wrote something for a newspaper that ended up being published in a newspaper, and it got a check in the mail, and I got paid for my writing, the first time that ever happened. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. So I want to keep doing that.
0: It is really cool. I mean, lots of people have opinions, but you have turned your opinions into a career. How did you do that?
1: You just... That's a really good question. That's a good question. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's there's a series of ways to answer that question about, um, you know, putting in the time and not giving up and, and, um, Always trying to find new things to write about in a different way, but I think you i think you said it. Everybody does have opinions, but I think what's missing oftentimes is that the opinions are not very thought out. People can tell you what they think, but they can't tell you why they think it. People ask them for an opinion on anything, and they'll give you an opinion on anything. But you ask them a follow-up question now: Why do you think that? They get stuck, and I think what my column tried to do after these many years. And all the columns I've written is always try to argue with myself as I write the column. It's sort of evolving over the 750 words, and you're thinking through it so that when the reader reads it, the reader writes back. You know what? Not that I didn't agree with your column. In fact, I never agree with your column. Read it because you make me think. So the reader is appreciative of the process of thinking through the column. So to answer your question about how you take a bunch of opinions, because everybody has opinions, and how you build a career out of it, you really have to argue um, and think through these topics in ways that are, are different from the way other people approach them. You can't just go around expressing opinions. You've got to be able to, you know, think it out and back it up and think it through and maybe hopefully inspire other people to also think through.
0: Oh, so so you can't let people who just like are being mean for no reason get the best of you
1: yeah there's another part of that job uh, I've seen a lot of people who are very talented writers but they really can't take the criticism um, sometimes the criticism is very ugly and personal and if you're Latino if you're whether you're Cuban or Mexican sometimes it's racist they're attacking you on a personal level and you have to let you know let to let that go by you can't let that bother you have a really strong uh, view of yourself and not let that bother you because I think it's very tempting. Sometimes people throw in the towel and they stop being writers because they just can't take the level of criticism. So, I just piece some advice when I was very young, in my early 20s, from a professional writer who said, You know, these people attack you, they don't know you. They just read this column in the newspaper with your picture on it, they think they know you. hurting you, that is hurting this image of you, this public image. And so that's, what's, uh, that's what sustained me. People beat up on that public image all the time. Uh, sometimes on the left, sometimes on the right, sometimes Democrats, Republicans, Latinos, white, black people, all sorts of people beat up on that piñata. Uh, but it doesn't bother me because it's, it's far away from me.
0: I read one of your columns. Right there, what you call it, a column? Yeah. I don't want to mess it up. Well, I read or, one of them. Dumb...
1: Columns, exactly.
0: Well, I read the last one you did, and it was like, I was amazed. It was your opinion, and I actually loved your opinion.
1: The, 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 the compliments I get are the ones who say, I, I didn't necessarily agree with even your piece or your point. I didn't agree with your opinion on this particular day, on this column. But I, I read the column, and I liked it because you really, you, you really wrestled with it. You know, you really tried to explain it, and it was clear that this was not an easy one for you, right? So you, any, any any topic you pick, uh, you can always argue either side. You know, there's two different sides to every issue, right? So I think the reader sometimes gets, gets you a lot of credit if they say, you know, I really like that you didn't just run 100 miles per hour to the end. Uh, you actually worked through it, and uh, and they seem to appreciate that. It's been one of my saving graces over the years it really helps uh, my career quite a bit
0: well how do you get all of that confidence
1: it starts off with your parents and your upbringing uh, your circle of friends the hometown you grew up in being pretty clear about who you are and what your values are and what you believe in even before you start getting into this line of work so i think all that's very important and then as time goes on I think you become more confident in your ability to do this job because there are plenty of things I cannot do. I tell people all the time when he teaches, I say, you know, I don't have musical ability. My son plays three different instruments. I can't do that. I don't have, um, you know, performative of musical ability as a, to be a, in a say a Broadway musical. My uh, daughter, my youngest daughter is great on stage. Um, and I don't have mechanical ability. These are all things that athletic ability, (laughs) these are all things God didn't give me, but he gave me this, he gave me the ability to communicate in uh, simple language, in spoken form and written form, the ability to take complicated ideas and make them simple, Uh, the ability to take a bunch of material and and bifon it down and funnel it down to a small bite-sized piece of material that can be digested, Uh, these are all things that I'm fortunate to have.
0: Well, that's true because nobody can be perfect at everything. And if you're perfect at everything, that, that was, makes you unperfect.
1: perfect uh, Everybody has strengths and weaknesses, right? And they, you hopefully you don't dwell too much on your weaknesses. You focus on your strengths. And, and that's, that's where the confidence comes from. To answer your question, I think once you know how to do something and you know that you're good at it, because you've been doing it a lot for a long, long time, in my case, for 33 years, over 3,000 columns, you know, three million words, um, printed, And, uh, I think that comes as I build a certain amount of confidence when you are able to do that over and over again.
0: What's the worst and best part of your career? The
1: um, that's part. The, I think this, I think, I think this. Because sometimes people will say, well, how are you, how are you doing? And I'll say, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's a tough job. And I'll have to explain why it's tough. And I think here's one reason it's tough, Christina. It's tough because if you write for a living at a time, I'm writing for a living at a time when people aren't reading, they don't read very carefully, um, that's frustrating. And that's one reason I think the job is challenging. Because I'll get a piece of mail from somebody, and it's clear that they're really angry, and they don't agree with me, and that's fine. But what's not fine is it's clear they didn't read my story. (laughs) Or if they read my story, they didn't read it very carefully. I know uh, your mom can also relate to this. understand them, um, and to be able to do that, you know, in ways that um, uh, really appeal to a broad section of people. So so it's really not just a small group of people who understand the subject, but you want a big group of people. You want, you know, people who who didn't go to college, people who who went to different types of colleges, people from different backgrounds. And if you could take any subject and really uh, explain it at that level, that's very satisfying.
0: Oh my god! That's true. It's busy. It, it's just, like, amazing. You're amazing.
1: Kat, yeah. it's so nice to, to speak with you, and I'm, I'm glad to field your question. Did you have anything else for me?
0: Where can we find you next?
1: Well, you know, I have, uh, in addition to my column at the Washington Post, it runs a bunch of newspapers around the country, I have... Um, a podcast called Reuben in the Center, which you can find anywhere on, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, Reuben in the Center. And then I also uh, write for a publication called The Daily Beast that's based in New York. And I appear there quite often, too. So yeah, just everywhere. If they Google my name, they can find it. And uh, I'm always producing content of one kind or another.
0: How do you spell your name? Does it have two R's?
1: <laughs> Yes, it's Navarrete, yeah, two R's and two T's. It's, uh, and there's variations. I've seen other people sell Navarrete in their case. Their name is one R, or one T, but mine has two R's and two T's. And uh, Navarrete,
0: is Thank you so
1: much. It's my pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for for the time and for the interview, and uh, good luck to you, okay, everything you do.
0: Thank you so much, and you too. You're amazing and full of inspiration. Oh good, I love to hear from you
1: down the line. I appreciate the time you spent with me, thank you.
0: Thank you, bye. Thank you Ruben for the wonderful interview. I know Ruben Navarrete's writing has been in a lot of places, but I wonder, has it ever been on a mug? I'm gonna design one of my quotable mugs for him. He's full of inspiration, and I know I'm inspired, so why not give him a mug? It will be on my Canyon Stars shop on Bonfire. Look for the link on my Instagram page right next to my latest dance challenge with Paloma Morales. Visit my Instagram at Cristina Rue. At C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-E-U. And, of course, this all couldn't be possible without my patrons. Thank you to David Brody, Tammy, Steven, Caridad, Thomas Salesman, Issa, Mr. Impratz, and Superstar King Mike. Aloha! Heidi! Oh, and my sister, Sophia! Thank you! Bye!